When I was growing up, I was a, a pretty normal kid, actually. I was a bit of a jock. I, I loved playing sports. I, I had lots of friends. I had dreams and aspirations. I, I had things that I wanted to do with my life. The, there was stuff that I wanted to buy, of course. I, I loved things like cars, and I knew that when I got a good job that maybe one day I could buy myself the car of my dreams. I was a pretty normal teenage kid. I thought like a normal teenage kid. As a matter of fact, all of my friends really kind of thought like me and with varying degrees acted very similar to how I did. This was until I became a Christian. Now, once I became a Christian, Actual confusion set in with me. I didn't, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how I was supposed to live. My Christian friends, would, would, they would give me direction, uh, but, it, but it always seemed to come with mixed messages. One Christian friend would tell me that I, I needed to abandon my old way of thinking, my old way of acting. Essentially, I needed to abandon how I went about living life and I needed to go to church as much as possible because it was in the church service, it was in the church that I would be able to be close to God. Now, now other friends told me that I needed to stop swearing so much. It was a bit of a problem. Again, I was pretty normal though, but in the Christian world, my language was seen as a bit of a problem. I was told to stop drinking alcohol and again, to get involved in church as much as possible because it was in church that I would find God. The dreams and aspirations that I had, if, if they were self-centered or somehow not morally right, according to these folks in the church, then they needed to be abandoned for the sake of Jesus, they would tell me. Essentially, what was communicated to me by the church as a young Christian and those that I became friends with in the church was that the only way to be a good Christian, the only way to experience God, to find God, to grow closer to God, was to stop doing everything that I used to do and start to go to church as much as possible. At first, this, this approach to faith worked for me. I actually really liked going to church. I liked the music and the passionate teaching that we would receive from the pastor. And so it, it caused me to want to dig further into scripture. I mean, that was how I had become a Christian in the first place, was by reading my Bible from cover to cover. And so I thought, I'll attend church and I'll get involved as much as I possibly can and I'll really begin to dig into scripture and I'll learn from my pastors and other leaders about this Jesus person that had captured my heart. Now again, this worked for a while, but a problem arose that actually caused me great personal confusion. You see, everyone had told me to abandon my old ways to abandon the way I acted, to abandon the way I thought, to essentially clean up my ethics. And so as I studied scripture, I read passages that would tell me not to be selfish, to be others-centered, to be loving. The Bible would stress the need to, to not slander another person or to not gossip about others, to not be a lover of money 
to make peace with my enemies and to center my life in Christ. These things excited me and they, they meant things to me in my life. They meant that I needed to change my life, that I did need to be transformed. But there was something else that was really interesting that I noticed. And it's what actually caused my crisis. You see, many of the people around me that I was observing as Christians in the church, the place that I was told to go as much as I possibly could so that I could meet Jesus there, they seemed to still live their lives dependent on loving money. They actually seemed to make decisions often based solely on money. I would hear others slandering someone else over coffee. Gossip, the gossip that I would hear was absolutely wild. Many in the church, that, that, that they would call up each other and they would gossip with one another about what was going on in someone else's life or they would gossip about the leadership of the church and they would be critical and criticize. Not just that, I also noticed how Christians I observed would fight with their neighbors because of some offense that had happened to them. Instead of offering forgiveness and peace like I had read in scripture, often I would see Christians fighting for their individual rights and those individual rights seemed more important than their being in Christ. Now, in my early years of faith, I went through essentially a faith crisis. But it wasn't because of my lack of faith, but because of the disconnect that I was experiencing between what the Bible said and how I saw people acting. Now, please know that not all people acted this way, but to be honest, it was the majority. Now, there were two things that specifically helped me through this crisis. The first thing was my wife's family. They were always so kind, and they never, they never seemed to judge me. I never felt judged. I actually really appreciated that because others in the church I often would feel very judged by, and others would share opinions about me to carry. And the second thing was understanding what the Apostle Paul meant in the passage that we're going to study today. You see, a deeper understanding of today's passage in the book of Colossians helped me through some really conflicting things that I was dealing with within my faith in my early years. So today, I hope to help you to understand a truly profound thing about Paul's understanding of our lives here on earth and how that fits with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Now, in order to get a good starting point, we're actually, we're going to have to go backward into some of what Pastor Tamil taught us last week. She did such an amazing job at pointing out something extremely important about how we go about living our faith and the challenges that surround us in our faith. How in life, we can often get so distracted with things that really just don't matter and how we can lose focus on the things that actually do because of those distractions. So today, I'm going to teach you really just a simple four verses from Paul's letter to the Colossians. And so you can open your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. But before we get into chapter 3, 
we're going to need to go backward just a little bit into chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. This is what's going to help us grab our context. So let me read to you uh, chapter 2, verses 20 to chapter 3, verse 4. Verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, do not taste, do not touch. All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They're simply human commands and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in prompting self-imposed piety, humility, and severe treatment of the body, but they're of no value in checking self-indulgence. Chapter 3. So... So this continues Paul's thought. So, some translations say, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, see, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. What an amazing message that Paul is giving us in this text. Now, now before we get going too far into this, I need to clear up some interpretive issues within this text because some of this text has been used uh, really poorly in the Christian church and more specifically nowadays in the Christian church. I hear it quoted for, about things that it really doesn't mean. And we, we need to understand some of these interpretive issues in order to be able to shift into chapter 3 and understand what Paul is saying to us. Now, the first key concept in here that you need to understand is you died. That's what Paul says, you died. Not just Jesus died, but you died. You see, in verses 20 to 23 in chapter 2, he's basically teaching us one main principle, but it's an extremely important principle to Paul's theology. It's an extremely important principle to our theology in order for us to understand how life is to function here on earth. This is what Paul taught us. With Christ, you died to this world and its regulations. With Christ, you died to this world and its regulations. Most people get that from this passage. The problem is, is how do we interpret what Paul means by dying to this world and its regulations? Because some have used this recently to defend their position of not having to live by or follow the laws of the government. Therefore, they don't have to stay home. They don't have to wear masks. They should open their churches because that's what God wants from us. The problem with that interpretation is that it doesn't actually line up with much of what Paul teaches us in the rest of the New Testament. Paul teaches us to honor our governing authorities and to live under their laws. You can check this out, like for instance, in Romans chapter 13, Paul gives us a great example of what he teaches about that. Now in Colossians, when Paul refers to the elemental spirits of the universe or world, 
He's talking specifically, folks, about religion. He's talking about religiosity. He's, ta he's not talking about the laws of the government. He's talking about the religious laws. Now, the religious laws, though, were not just a Jewish thing. The religious laws were both pagan and Jewish. You have to understand that in Paul's day, everyone was religious. Not everyone was a Jew or a Christ follower, but everyone in one way or another was religious in the way that they lived their lives. You see, even the pagans, the Gentiles, they had rituals and regulations that they had to follow in order to honor the gods that they worshipped. The Jews, they had their pious laws that they would debate and they would strive to follow uh, in, in order to please their one God. So the Gentiles had many gods. The Jews just had one God. It's called monotheism. They had one God named Yahweh. And so they had laws and rules of how to follow what Yahweh wanted for each of them. Everyone was under the elemental spirits of the universe or the world. Paul uses a very important word in this passage that we need to understand. He says the simple two words, you died. Death is an important concept to Paul, and he uses its imagery often to help us to understand what God wants from his people, what God wants from us as Christians, as Christ followers. The phrase, you died, in the Greek text actually carries a really profound meaning that is probably better in our translations to paraphrase so that we can understand what exactly Paul means. Now, essentially, in the original text, it reads more like, since your death, you have escaped out from under the control of something. So since your death, that's kind of weird, we're still alive, right? But since your death, this death that Paul's talking about, when you experience this death in Christ, you've escaped out from under the control of something. Now, the death that he's talking about here, we hear Paul talk about in other passages. He's talking about our death to self, our death to the flesh. The flesh in Scripture simply means the ways of the world. It's not necessarily a physical flesh. It's not necessarily a lust-based issue. But the flesh, living by the flesh in the Bible, literally just means thinking and living like the world. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Paul says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. So they've crucified thinking like the world with its passions and desires. Let's hear what Jesus has to say in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. This is a teaching that Jesus gives to his disciples. He says, For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake, not me, but Jesus, and for the sake of the gospel, will save it. So here's Jesus saying, in order to gain life, you're going to have to lose your life for my sake. In Romans chapter 6, verse 8, Paul says, but if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Paul very distinctly believes that some sort of death needs to happen in order for human beings to actually find life. 
to Paul, the only way to be resurrected with Christ, to be raised with Christ, is to first die with Christ. Look at it this way. You can't be raised from the dead unless you first die. It doesn't take much to figure that out, right? You can't be raised until you first die. Now, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more later. In chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, Paul is addressing the religious rules that are distracting them from becoming alive in Christ. And the religious rules that distract them are the worldly rules, the things that humanity has made up. These religious laws were, were part of the way that they went about doing life, the way that they lived, the way that they thought. They were normal life stuff that each person would live by. So this passage in chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, it could actually read like this out of the Greek text. Because you died with Christ, you can now escape from under control of the way that the world thinks and acts. I need you to hear what Paul is saying here. Because you died with Christ, because you put self to death with Christ, you can now escape from under control of the way the world thinks and acts. You see, to the Apostle Paul, these religious ways of life, they were actually useless. They didn't get you into a relationship with God the way that, that we hoped that they would. They're nothing but a distraction from finding true life. They didn't work to change any of us, and they never actually will. Religion never changes a person. They're only distractions from what Paul says, the elemental spirits of this world. In other words, religion, folks, is actually demonic. It's from the devil, and it controls us, and it makes us live a life lost in the rules, and we miss the point of who God is, and we completely miss who he offers us to be. This is why religious people often seem mean, hypocritical, judgmental, gossips who slander others by judging how they go about living their religious laws. Essentially, the Bible says, hypocrites. The religious ones are the hypocrites. Listen to what Jesus says about hypocrites in Matthew 15, verses 7 to 9. He says, addressing the Pharisees, the religious ones, the ones who were doing their best, trying to live their Jewish pious laws, he says, you hypocrites. Isaiah, so he's going to go back to a prophet. Isaiah prophesied rightly about you. He's talking about the Israelites. When, you, when he said, these people honor me with their lips. They say the right things. They say they follow me. They say they're Christ followers, essentially but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human perspectives as doctrine. Paul makes it, he makes a, a very clear distinction here, folks. When he writes to the church in, in Colossians, when he says that in Christ you died so you could be free from the control of the ways of this world, free from the way the world thinks and acts. He's making a very distinct distinction here. The difference 
in life in Christ compared to life in religion, compared to life outside of Christ, the difference is death. Not a future death, but a death to self right now. You see, we as Christians must first die from the way the world acts and thinks in order to experience true life in Christ here on earth today. Like Pastor Tamil said, we must get away from the distractions that are all around us in order to see Jesus clearly. This is the disconnect that many in the church create for others. And this is exactly why I was so confused as a new Christian over 20 years ago. You see, faith is not just about attending a church service as much as possible. Faith is not just about cleaning up your ethics and acting a certain way. You see, folks, you can do all of these things and simply be a religious person who doesn't know Jesus at all. You actually need to put to death the entire way that you used to think and be resurrected in the way of thinking like Jesus. This is why Christians often still behave and think like non-Christians. They haven't actually died yet. This realization was absolutely revolutionary to me. It helped me to understand that discipleship was not something that just instantly happened or magically happened because I sat in a pew and attended church as much as possible. Discipleship was actually something that required dedication and hard work on my behalf. And, it, it, and because of that dedication and that hard work of, of praying and learning scripture, I could develop a deeper understanding of who God actually wants me to be. But simply understanding why Christians were still messed up didn't help me to understand how to actually change it. Until I continued reading in this verse. Because Paul is going to tell us how. Paul's going to tell us how we change thinking like and acting like the world. He says, so he first said that we've died in Christ. And then he says that in, in chapter 3 that we have been raised with Christ. And seek things that are above instead of earthly things. This is the rebirth that Jesus talks about in Scripture. As Christians, we die and are reborn into something new. Our minds literally become new. The way we think shapes the way that we act, and so our minds need to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God. So you need this renewed mind in order to be able to discern the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, folks, change the way you think, and that is what changes the way you act and live. And we do this, the Apostle Paul says, by thinking above, about things from above. 
In other words, we seek what Jesus seeks. We learn to think and see the world around us the way that Jesus does. Our perspective on life changes. And this is not a future rebirth, Paul says. He says, so if you've been raised with Christ, the if means some who claim to actually be in Christ actually aren't, and the so means that it's for right now, not a future thing. So if you've been raised in Christ, then here is the result. The key here is, if you've been raised in Christ, you now have the Spirit living in you and can therefore think heavenly. To be raised in Christ, you have to first die with Christ. He says, set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. Now, folks, this is a real difficult challenge for many of us today. It's way easier to follow the way the world thinks, to act and, and do things and make decisions the way that the world thinks, but then insert ourselves into a church service and be all spiritual for an hour or so. But often, we're still thinking about money. We're still thinking about possessions like cars and houses. These things often make up our identity and they dictate our value in our lives. The problem is, is that these things, Paul says, they all go away. They're actually useless when it comes to our heavenly identity. There's one simple way to understand what Paul means by thinking about things above. And I found this to help in how I live my life as a Christian within this broken world. Listen to how Paul guides the church in Corinthians. The Corinthian church is a church who has religion down pat. They're really good at religious things, but not so much some of the more important things. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. He's going to give us the answer of how we think heavenly. He says, if I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So I could do all of these so-called spiritual things that people do in the church, which there's nothing wrong with, but if it doesn't then produce love, I'm actually just super annoying, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What I was doing was useless. He says, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, the Apostle Paul says, I gain nothing. Love is the key to thinking about things above. Everything heavenly is loving, kind, generous, and above reproach. Listen to how Paul finishes his thought, his thought of thinking about things from above instead of things on earth. In Colossians 3, verses 3 to 4, he says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Paul is saying that you've died to the things of this world. They no longer matter to you. Our possessions, our religious rules and regulations, none of that is what shapes our identity. Why, he says, 
in this passage? Because Christ is your life. Christ is your life. Everything about your life rests in Jesus when you have put to death your flesh and now live alive in Jesus. And we do this by taking on the mind of Christ and thinking with the mindset of love above all else. We prioritize eternal things over things that will perish, over material things. Paul says that Christ is revealed to you and you also will be revealed to him in glory. You see, in my early years as a Christian, everyone attached attending a church service and experiencing God through a musical worship service as the best way to change my life and to live my life for Jesus. But really, folks, that's completely backwards. Everything we do as Christians needs to be driven by the Spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit who convicts and calls us to a life of transformation. You see, when God motivates you to attend church, because that's the motivation, then you will hear from God at church. But if your motivation is for church to create some kind of hollow spiritual experience for you, if you want church or the church leaders to do all the work for you and to create this spiritual experience for you, you have things backwards and will always eventually be disappointed. That's why people jump from church to church to church. That's why they get disappointed, because they're not looking to God motivating them to come to church. Their motivations are, are centered usually in self and feed me. I'm the consumer. Now, I learned that if I understood the grace and love of Jesus and that I, if I conditioned my mind by reading his word, the scriptures, that I would be drawn to actually want to go to church and receive the gifts that the Lord offers through community. So the body of Christ is really important and essential to our faith, but it's Jesus that motivates you to participate in it. Faith is not about what you're doing on the outside. It's more about what is going on inside your heart and inside your mind. That is what Paul is encouraging us with. He's teaching us how to become like Jesus by letting go of the things that we prioritize here on this earth and by putting Jesus and his love at the center of who we are. We receive freely the love of Jesus Christ, and we therefore give freely the love of Christ to others. Avoiding the distractions of this world and focusing on loving God and others, putting to death our selfish motivations and placing love at the center. This doesn't mean that we give up on our dreams and our aspirations. What it means is that we ask God to shape our intentions within our dreams and aspirations. It means we hold on to things in this world very loosely, and we build our identity in the risen Christ who actually brings us life. Learning to think about things above, folks, takes time. It takes effort. 
We have to mature in our discipleship and connect together in faith and love. It's not necessarily about how often you've attended church or how long you've been attending church. You could attend church for 20, 30, 40 years and never mature in Christ if you haven't died to self first and then been risen with him. And it's the spirit that compels us to want to attend a worship service. And I don't personally rely on a preacher or the worship team or anybody around me to create my experience. I know that God will meet me where I am at and that he will transform me through the hearing and preaching of his word. This seems a lot less backwards to me. And I know in my life it's drawn me closer to Jesus and his church. So church, learn to die so that you can live. That's my prayer for you this morning. Put to death the way that the world thinks and the way that the world lives. Put that thinking to death and then be risen to life in Christ. I'm going to turn things over to Pastor Tamil as she leads us through a time of reflection. And as you reflect today, I want you to really ask Jesus to reveal to you the way that you think and how that thinking could change.